spot, put it in park, here we go. It's the Free Parking Podcast, presented by Office Jockeys, racing to the weekend. What is going on, everybody? Deaver here alongside my co-host, Bush. What's up, Deaves? Glad to be back for episode 35. Bush, you just got up from the, the camera there for a sec. You're wearing shoes in your own brand new apartment. Yeah, and they're high tops. I have low socks on, and my shoes are tied. I, I, it's, it's a great mix. So strange. So str- yeah. I get it going over to like a neighbor's, you know, a new person's house, a friend's house. You don't take your shoes off or you take your shoes off the door. I don't know. You're in your own apartment. Mm-hmm. My own dojo. My own dojo. Dude, you know me. I'm shoes. These shoes will be tied and on until I go to bed tonight. So you've been working from home for the past month. You wake up every morning and put your shoes on like you're going to, going to your work? Yes, I do. Yep. Strap you're them on. in bed with your laptop on your stomach. Your shoes are on? Yes, they are. Right on top of the blanket. It's nice and dirty, just the way I like it. I find something else interesting about you every single time we do one of these. Uh, big episode here today. The one we want to talk about first, our FPP Feed the Frontline charity campaign closes out officially. Thank you to all of our supporters. $1,080 has been raised to uh, feed frontline workers as they fight uh, COVID-19, um, heal and protect and, and keep us all safe um, around the country, as well as supporting those small businesses um, that we know and love locally. So, uh, Bush, you want to shout out those uh, local restaurants that we that we um, partnered with? Absolutely. So we had Upper Crust Pizza, an Italian restaurant in Tabernacle, New Jersey. So they went and supported Virtua Voorhees and Virtua Mount Holly. Then we had Coyote Crossing over there in Pennsylvania. Dees, what was the exact name of that hospital again? Uh, Bryn Mawr. It was in, it was, it was in Bryn Mawr. Yeah, Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, uh, another hospital that we fed. We fed a large portion, multiple floors of each hospital, which is awesome. So couldn't have done it without our followers, couldn't have done it without the community. And uh, we thank you guys so much. So, Deeves, right, right when we thought, right when we thought everything was going to be, uh, you know, slowing down a little bit, we, 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 get some, we get some alien news. Out of all the news we've had this year, and it's just crazy the media cycle because it's coronavirus, 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 the markets, now there might be a meat shortage, and just slid in there, just a, just a little wrinkle in the entire timeline of 2020. Aliens. The, from the Pentagon. The Pentagon has released <laughs> footage of UFOs, and nobody's talking about it. Not a, uh, Maybe yeah. our podcast. Just our podcast. Yeah. yeah, we might be the only ones reporting on this, and I, you know, you sent this to me a couple days ago. First thing I said to you was, you know, eh, it's a blip on the radar, man. Aliens? All right, 2020, like, what else you got for us? Like, what I'm else not got? surprised. I, don't jinx us I, to say bring it on, but, like, yeah, of course there's aliens in 2020. Of course, of course that happened. Like, the way the trends have occurred so far, yes, aliens, obviously. Yeah. What? Yeah, what's next? Atlantis. Oh, Atlantis exists. Right, we all know. There's See, like, still a civilization down there. Yes, duh. This is this is the best part of it, because we, we're, like, all cocky. You're like, yeah, like, yeah, what next? What next? But, like, in the back of our minds, like... Hopefully nothing. Hopefully nothing. Please, please, nothing else. But did did you get a chance to see the clip? I did, man. And it looked like this hazy black triangle trapezoid-looking thing. It was sketchy for sure. The, the the crazy part about it is, I'm pretty sure the original video came out or leaked, you know, maybe a year ago. Um, but the the Pentagon has recognized it that what these U.S. Navy fighter pilots have seen, uh, and they're not selling it short. I think Trump made a couple comments about it. Um, just saying like, yeah, we're going to look into it. Um, do they know more? Is that why space force came out? Um, I think the thing to understand here is if the aliens were already here, we'd be wiped out by now. I don't know if they were like truly harmful. That's, that's my thought. Right. It's hard to say, man, cause in sci-fi, it always depicts these aliens as being so much more advanced than us. I mean, if they're here, they're visiting us, they could be technically... I, dude, who knows, man? Who knows? I, I'm a firm believer they're out there. They're oh, definitely me too. There. They're definitely somewhere. Some form of life, somewhere else. But yeah. if they have the power to travel here and show up in videos released by the Pentagon, I think they have the power to wipe us out, and they probably would have already done that. I mean, people have spotted UFOs for hundreds of years. Um, I don't know. Something to look out for, for sure. Uh, in... What is the weirdest year ever? Ever of our lives. 
Okay, while we on the topic, I've been actually thinking about some shit about the army and navy. What if tomorrow's the day that the fucking aliens came and invaded our nation? Like, will we even be able to fuck with they shit? Like, do we got the type of weaponry to fuck with they ships or not at all? Like, would they just walk up in this motherfucker laughing at us and blasting at us and making everybody disintegrate and assimilate without a hint of intimidation? Or could we do some shit to be making their heart race? Granted, I don't know the alien heart, but you get what the fuck saying? Um, like, what the fuck would it be like? Would they be like, Earth go hard? Or is it just another conquest? Or would they be like, damn, Earth go hard? But let's get into some sports. Uh, the first topic, we kind of keep giving these coronavirus updates in the beginning, you know, when sports are going to return. Kind of tired of the, the rumors, right? There's tons of rumors out. We talk about week after week out of different leagues resuming. Some news to come out from overseas, from the land uh, with the language of love, France. Sports are being banned or suspended, whatnot, until September. Um, that's come from a pretty large company. Country con- company. That's come from a pretty large country, which uh, we help out in pretty much every world war. Um, sports no longer until September in France. So, what does that mean for us? Obviously, Europe is much more tighter packed, and you know things are a little bit closer together however the united states man is a little bit more spread out i mean you could probably fit in multiple frances in the land masses of the united states and i don't know i don't think this is going to impact us i don't i don't yeah definitely just something to keep an eye on uh for sure now they they've talked about banning sports till september they are going to release further um social social distancing requirements whether it's like certain amount of fans or people in an area so I've, we were talking already about golf in the uk um it sounds like you know they'll still be able to have thousands of people per gathering you know not unlimited but they'll have mm-hmm. limited gatherings of say five thousand or less um so just something to keep an eye on as you know we keep tracking what's going to happen in the states yeah that being said Deves, in new jersey now we have a a release we're allowed to go golfing again and that spurs in my mind that pga the pga tour professional golf will be back in business probably first maybe not with spectators but that's my guess man that's my guess of courses are open in new jersey yeah they've already announced the new schedule looking to come back uh mid-june at the charles Schwab challenge uh at colonial in fort worth texas um the lpj similar announcements looking to restart uh late june july time frame um i think it'll be the first one back it's gonna be huge i was talking with a friend earlier today that everybody's starving for sports we've seen it so far with the jordan documentary with the nfl draft which we'll get into and talk about here in a little bit um golf is gonna have a huge opportunity to capture a market share of thousands millions of americans that are starting for sports. Um, and even if they're without spectators on site, they'll have a big chance to, to get some TV viewership with everybody either working or working from home or just dying to watch for something on, you know, watch something on TV. Absolutely. And I know for a fact that I'm, I mean, I love watching golf and I can't be the only one our age that does. And I know a lot of people, our parents age love watching it as well. It's one of those things you can turn on and then just kind of fall asleep to. I know that's what my dad does. However, I sit there and I watch, man, because I think it's entertaining as hell watching Tiger make runs and Kepka make runs and these guys. And I'm not a, and I'm not a golf guy. Like watching golf on TV, I'm, I'm not really a golf fanatic on television, whether other, unless it's the majors. But even during quarantine, I found myself just hungry to watch anything. And, and reruns they had of the Masters, which is a different story. Obviously, you know, they were showing the best of all time, a major. But any little glimpse you can get of this, you know, of competition and now fresh competition, not these reruns, but actual, you know, your favorite players out there on the course. Or, or even if you don't watch golf at all, you're, you're just seeing people compete in the world of sports. Something fresh to talk about other than, you know, the Jordan Doc or whose team messed up the draft. And do you want to get into that now of, of the NFL draft? Yeah, absolutely. So the 2020 NFL draft supposed to take place in Vegas. Dude, that's some pretty cool mock-ups of what the stage is going to look like. Obviously, we knew weeks in advance that it wasn't going to happen in person in Vegas. They end up scheduling it for, um, you know, remote it was it was all with everybody in isolation. They had about I think fifty two players um, with cameras in their home. Goodell was set up in his sick quote unquote man cave. Um, I probably only watched football down there by himself. Uh, you saw a bunch of GMs and coaches uh, in their homes. Honestly, my initial takes on the entire presentation not that bad. 
No, very well done, man. Very well done. So hats off to, to the NFL and ESPN. I was really nervous. Uh, we talked about it weeks leading up, that we were scared that there was going to be glitches. It came out. They did a mock draft earlier that week. I think the draft was a Thursday. They did a mock draft on a Monday or Tuesday. First pick, there was already a blip. The Bengals couldn't get their pick in. Uh, super smooth. Super smooth, even going back and forth between the different commentators, discussing the picks, um, showing highlight clips. Honestly, not that bad. It was pretty funny. They already announced where the next year's draft is going to be. It's going to be in Cleveland and the dates of it. And people are like, I'd rather have it like it was this year than in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. You know, I saw a couple tweet replies to that tweet that you had sent over uh, about everybody saying they'd rather it be at quarantine than in Cleveland. And I'm a big Bachelor guy, as many people know. And, dude, it was so funny because in The Bachelor, they literally – he whoever the main guy's name is missing my mind right now, but he goes, we're going to Cleveland, Ohio. And all the girls sit there and they're like, is he serious? And they're like, Oh yeah, he's serious. Like, let's get excited. But like, they were all just like, we're going where? Like, so all in all decent draft, uh, Goodell showing his, uh, seeing everybody's homes was pretty interesting. I feel like a lot of the, the people that were getting drafted rented Airbnbs. A lot of them had nice houses for not signing their million dollar contracts yet. That's just my take. Um, it was pretty cool to see the GMs and head coaches with their families, their kids there, and helping announce the pick. Roger, uh, sorry, um, Bill Belichick's dog announced their first overall pick. Nike. He was at the war room table. Is that his name, Nike? Nike, yeah, Nike. Um, and then Goodell's basement. I saw a couple articles. Barcelona put, put out one for a guy making millions and millions and millions of dollars. Not that monster of a pad, modest no. pad. That's uh, fine, though. It's fine. It's it's fine, but I mean. I don't know. I expect a little more. Kind of like, kind of like uh, Cliff King, Cliff Kingsbury. Did you see his San Francisco? No. no. He, you didn't see his pad? No. Floor to ceiling windows, probably like fifteen foot tall windows. A beautiful like infinity pool in the back. Fire pit, like gorgeous. And then you had Bill Belichick's house. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was his that was his beach house or his lake house in probably yeah, like was, you know yeah. the Cape or Rhode Island or something. Um, but just kind of interesting to see you know everybody's fam around him. The probably the sickest setup was uh, Eagles Eagles. GM, mm-hmm. Howie, Howie, Howie had probably like five monitors going on. He had two TVs. He had his own little uh, step and repeat for uh, press conferences when he got interviewed. Um, one thing out of Howie's, not to talk about it too much, but each draft, each each coach and GM had to have a phone put into their place on a tripod so the NFL could surveil them during the draft. Mm-hmm. Kind of strange. What for though? Like what surveil them? To make sure they weren't doing anything questionable, I guess. Maybe calling players early. I, I don't really know what they could, but, right. but tampering, really. Right. Another thing I'm thinking as well is they might be on live TV and they might not be doing something they want to, you know, they want to have on live TV when they get flashed to. So that could also be as well. Hey, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't have your kid doing this in the background, whatever. But, Deves, another thing I wanted to talk about too was a couple weeks prior to the NFL draft, we had the ESPN what was it? The horse tournament, the horse basketball tournament. Yeah. And that yep. was, that was abysmal. Um, it was not really well put together. Um, it was a great idea and they tried, I can imagine they tried very hard, but I wonder if that had any impact on this in the sense of we need to increase our connection speeds. We need to make the video conferencing way better, etc. If it wasn't a wake up call, maybe. Maybe, and the reason I think it probably was a wake-up call or how they fixed it, the horse tournament you saw, it was those guys just FaceTiming or Skype or Zooming in to whatever the system was for them to broadcast that, right? It was, it was very, um, you know, dependent on the user. For the NFL draft, you saw clips of guys with masks and gloves going into homes from production teams with ESPN and NFL going into homes to actually organize the setup. It wasn't like Howie Roseman. It was actually the guy setting up all of those cameras and screens. Right. You know, one of the GMs, I'm pretty sure it was with the Browns GM possibly or the Titans GM. He had his IT guy in a motorhome in his driveway all three days of the draft. His IT guy slept in a motorhome all three days of the draft in his driveway just in case there were any hiccups. So I wow. think they, they definitely professionalized it and had the pros set it up instead of, you know, freaking frack you and me hopping on Skype and, and trying yeah. to make a nationwide million people, you know, viewership publication. Yeah. Hey, kid, can you hold this phone for me while I try to make this horse yeah, shot? Ex- exactly. <laughs> I mean, literally. Exactly. Literally. 
All right, so we talked about the back-end stuff. Let's bring in uh, Brandon Hammonds, who did a lot of great stuff with uh, Timmy Duke. Um, also, Connor Hughes of The Athletic leading up to the draft. They went on IG Live a couple times, broke down who they thought was going to be selected where and when and what we're going to see out of the draft. So uh, now that it's over, let's bring on Ham to talk about uh, all the things he got wrong, the very few things he got right, and how mad he is still that the Panthers didn't pick Isaiah Simmons. And now we bring on one of FPP's NFL draft experts, as we said, the latest hater of Isaiah Simmons, Brandon Hammonds. Ham, thanks for joining, man. I'm happy. I'm happy for Simmons, man. I really am. But uh, thank, thanks for having me, boys. Happy to be here. Yeah, I think that was the biggest, the first, like, not surprise, but um, picks one through really seven kind of went as scripted. Um, no trades, which we thought early. We were all talking about picks three and four. Detroit was shopping three. We thought some, we we're going to see movement there. Um, and we didn't kind of by the book, as you would say, uh, Burrow, Chase Young and uh, Jeff Akuda, um, three either current or former Ohio State players um, going one through three. And uh, I, ju- I just find it interesting, especially the day of the draft day one. There were there were a ton of rumors going around about different picks being shopped. And as always, there's a lot of rumors. Uh, I feel like this year, if any, it was more exciting than, than most years because there weren't, obviously this was like a big sporting event that was going on uh, with no baseball and no NBA going on in general. So there was just a lot more pressure. I feel like to see trades early, but unfortunately they didn't happen, but uh, I still enjoyed it. I, I watched the whole thing because again, there wasn't really much sports to be watching. So yeah. No, we had a great time. All the boys hopped on a Zoom call. I mean, we had, I think, six or seven people in this Zoom at one point watching watching the draft together. So it was kind of like a big uh, Super Bowl party. The first pick that kind of brought, uh, you know, dro- dropped my dropped my jaw a little bit was uh, was your guys, the, the Panthers. And we talk about them a ton, um, you know, in this rebuilding era, new head coach, new quarterback. They went heavy defense, and they started off with a heavy defender with the seventh overall pick. We thought it was going to be Isaiah Simmons. You told me you were going to cry on live Zoom if it was Isaiah Simmons. They picked Derek Brown, uh, D-tackle out of Auburn. And uh, I want to hear your take, but you, you've already heard mine on it too. Uh, it's the most important, piece of the most important piece of the defense, arguably. Uh, no, no tears were shed because we didn't get Simmons. And I wanted Simmons to kind of fill that hole that, that Keekley left. There's a void there in, in being a leader in the middle of the field at the linebacker position. But again... The anchor is where the defensive tackle is, and especially if we're bringing in an entire new defense, we we need that anchor. Uh, we only had one defensive tackle on our roster before we drafted Brown. Uh, we drafted entire defense. We drafted seven players seven in the draft, picks. all defensive players. Yeah, um, I'm pretty excited about it. Some kids are – apparently all our draft grades are all between A's and B's between every single round, according to the experts. So rule – Fresh out of the college game, he, he kind of knows, or I'm hoping that he knows. Uh, right. And I think he picked up an undrafted kid from Temple, too, which was pretty cool to see. Ham, one thing that you know we discussed before the draft was we wanted the Panthers to get a couple other weapons with McCaffrey. And they, guess, don't feel the same, dude. They went right away and got all defensive players. Uh, I, I think it's because of how bad our defensive our, our defense was and our defensive schemes last year were because I think we let up the most points last year that we ever had in our franchise history. So we just really needed to rebuild completely on the defense. But we we signed Robbie Anderson in the offseason. I did want to draft a running back to kind of help McCaffrey out, right. but that didn't happen. Uh, we do have some offensive weapons. They're very young. There were rumors Curtis Samuel was going to be shopped too. We have... Ian Thomas at tight end, which is one of Rule's guys. Anderson, one of Rule's guys. DJ Moore, Rule scouted him and wanted to recruit him to Temple. Didn't happen. So kind of Rule has some pieces on the offense that he has to work with. Yeah, my lasting thought on the Panthers pick, too, and we talked about it already um, on the side, is that even though Simmons was the you know the Swiss Army knife, the flashier pick on the defensive side of the ball, the guy that can play you know seven different positions, we were talking how the Panthers are running the 4-3. And in a 4-3 defense, the most important position, possibly, or one of the most, most important position groups is defensive tackle. It's, mm-hmm. it's up front. It's not the linebackers. Um, you look at the Eagles, and we, talk, we talked about um, them not picking a linebacker early, um, which was the debate wide receiver or linebacker for the birds. They also run a four, three that defense runs through Fletcher Cox. So when you add in a guy like Brown, who's that heart of the defense, it makes everybody else's job easier. And even though Simmons was the flashy pick, they did pick up a guy Simmons esque later on. Correct. 
Yeah, they did. His name is uh, Jeremy Chin. He's a safety, but safety. he can kind of come down low. Uh, we drafted another cornerback out of Notre Dame. And some of these kids, apparently, great things have been said about all of them, even, even in the later rounds. Apparently, this is one of the deepest drafts that we've seen probably in previous 10 years from every, every talent, every position. Like the second rounders on, on day two were day one talents, you know, in a lot of other years. So kind of going in order, um, we talked with you talked with Connor Hughes from the Athletic uh, Jets beat reporter on IG Live prior to the draft on draft day itself. And his take was correct, uh, thinking they were going to go offensive tackle, uh, offensive line to, to kind of help um, you know defend Sam Darnold. And they pick up uh, a big boy from Louisville, uh, McKee Becton. Mm hmm. Yeah, that was that was a great pick. I I went out on a limb and said that they were going to get a receiver first round. Uh, second round, they ended up coming back and getting a receiver anyway, which was what they needed also. So, and I think that's that was a perfect example of how deep this draft was. That you know the record amount of receivers taken early and seeing receivers in that second round available, um, with the Steelers being one of the teams that picked one up. Um, you had a couple guys there late in the second round, like T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, yeah, and and running backs began to get drafted as well early uh, and really receiver needy teams recognize that early too. So you may have seen some linemen go first round and then those teams would come back, the chargers, the Colts, the Bengals, and they would get receivers. And not to be biased and keep talking about uh, our teams, but I think all of our teams had a little bit of drama here in the draft. And the next piece of drama that came around was at pick 17, where the Eagles' biggest rival, the Dallas Cowboys, picked up their guy. It, was, it seemed like to be their guy or the guy they were chasing in the draft, and that's C.D. Lamb, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Um, there were reports of the Eagles trading up as high as, what, 10 or 11 to get him, um, how he didn't make a move, and almost as a stab in the back from last year or uh, previous year when the Eagles drafted Dallas Goddard, uh, to block the Cowboys from drafting their new replacement, Jason Witten, the Cowboys go ahead and draft a flashy wideout to to block the Eagles from taking them. Yeah, man, I don't, dude. You know, after evaluating it, I don't see an issue here. I mean, C.D. Lamb to me, honestly, the Eagles seem so happy with Rieger that I don't really think C.D. Lamb going off the board was that detrimental to the Birds. I really don't, based on all the reactions and everything. And you saw with him being the third wide receiver taken in the draft. You know, Judy and Ruggs going before him, he was the third wide receiver taken. It may not even have been the, the right choice to trade up and, and go for him, right? So yeah. they would have found their guy eventually anyway. Right. Um, who knows what the asking price was to trade up that high. But I do feel like there was a little bit of Jerry Jones kind of saw in the oh, wounds. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. Ego, mm -hmm. ego definitely came to play. When oh, it came for to, sure. Oh, this is, I'm going to spit in the Eagles' face. We have other needs, but I don't really care. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to add here, too, was Justin Jefferson was on the board, and everyone was like, all right, well, the, we at least know the birds are going to get Justin Jefferson, but they went Rieger, which makes me think that Rieger might have always been their guy. He could have been. He, he truly could have been, and that was, you know, after CD goes off the board, it was, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes before the Eagles pick, and that was, our head was spinning at that point. Are they going to keep going wide out? Is it Jefferson for sure? Um, there was rumors that they were going to pick up Cesar Ruiz, center out of Michigan, to be the the replacement for Kelsey, which I love that pick for the Saints, and the linebacker from Oklahoma, uh, Kenneth Murray, and they all kind of went into session after the Rieger pick, so you see that the Eagles saw something in Rieger that other teams didn't or they didn't see in other guys that other position needs. And I would say arguably a bigger headline coming back in the second round, getting Jalen Hurts. I, I, that was, that was something that shook Philadelphia at least for a couple of days, for sure. At least from social media. Talk about the first, yeah, the first draw up being the first round, the second round, they come back around. I, I had the Steelers picking at 49. There were rumors of Steelers getting Jalen Hurts. There was rumors of the Pats getting Jalen Hurts in the second round. And out of all the teams, I don't think anybody, any of the experts mock drafts had Jalen Hurts going to the Eagles. I think people would have won a crazy amount of money if they bet that they did. Yeah. Odds were, odds were crazy. I saw that's, well, that's they had to be like plus plus twenty thousand, like something stupid. Twenty two hundred or something, something <laughs> absurd. That, yeah, dude. Yeah, that's, whatever. That's insane, man. But you look at what the Eagles did, and their justification for it is that they want to be a quarterback factory. Now, Nate Sudfeld. Okay, hear me out. He knows the offense. He can come in. He can play the game just like Carson Wentz plays the game when he goes in. 
That's that's known. In the preseason, he was running. He was gunning. It was he was doing everything. Not not as accurate. Maybe not as fast. But he mocks Carson Wentz's play. Now Jalen Hurts might be able to do the same. Uh, I don't know his height, but for some reason I feel like he's short. I don't know. I'm totally making stuff up. But I think Jalen Hurts might be a little short. But dude, I I don't get it, man. I don't get it. What? Why do you want to be a quarterback factory when you just franchised the guy? That was my yeah, biggest but, question. They paid Wentz, and then they did this. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, my mindset on the entire thing kind of developed over the weekend, right after the pick. When the pick initially happened, I'm like, what are they even thinking? And then as it rolls through, I, I get to the week. You know, Monday Monday comes, Tuesday comes. You're hearing what you know Roseman's decision process behind it. Peterson talking to Wentz before the pick about it. I start to realize. Man, they didn't really have a true backup. Guys were flying off their draft board. He might have been their best available. And when your guy's the best available on the board, you take him. And he's a piece that they have, whether he's your backup or Wentz goes down and he's your starter. I mean, it's I don't think Wentz has any threat to his job immediately. But if he's the best guy on your board and you have a pick to spare where you see guys later in the rounds to become weapons for Carson, I don't, I don't hate it at all. And I think just... Over the past couple of days, I thought about it. So Wentz is their guy. He's their superstar, the face of the franchise. So they pay him, obviously. When he plays, he's very good. So they just got insurance because he maybe he – and this is the case with every single quarterback. There's a chance that he can't play all 16 games and something happens. Just by chance, they got insurance for him. I don't think they drafted him to be his replacement at all. I don't no. think so. They got a no. really good – backup quarterback who's willing Correct. to learn hey they could get some capital for him later in the future too if he comes in and kills also, him in the preseason yeah so i that. i think the qb factory thing definitely uh i i think that's definitely in the cards but they didn't draft him to be a replacement at least not right now yeah okay yeah i mean i agree with all that i think it's fair i think that hurts i don't know man is Wentz a good teacher yet does he have enough experience yet we'll find out I, I think mm-hmm. that Wentz has a good mentality, which will translate to Hertz, and Hertz is a good teammate. I think it could be a good mesh. Yeah, I don't think he has to teach him about anything on the field. I think he has to teach him about how to be a professional, uh, how to handle the league. I don't think Wentz is in the mentorship, Favre to Rodgers type, you know, Brady to Garoppolo type scenario here. I think it's more of like how to be a professional, how to be a good leader. Um, Hertz has a ton of that already. They seem like they're in a similar mindset already. So I think they'll gel. I don't think there'll be any major clashes. That might be a freezing cold take, but I think it should be, you know, city brotherly love at the quarterback position and it should just make each other better. I don't think Wentz needs to see a target on his back at all. Yeah. And Deaver, just to add to you, to your thoughts there, he'll teach him how to deal with Philadelphia. Yeah. When the guy plays in, when the guy plays in three preseason games, it gets food in preseason yeah i mean that's literally what's going to happen so he's going to teach him how to deal with that for sure but just nothing wrong with having a another good quarterback on your roster you know it just gives you another another added depth of at another position you know especially the most important position on the field for a football team i'm excited to see her in the preseason for sure yeah 100 i saw the mock-ups with him with the uh the eagles jersey on already it looks really really nice Exciting player. I mean, I was kind of hoping the Steelers got him, but, you know, exciting player, and I, I just still can't believe he ended up in Philadelphia. Um, mm-hmm. To talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers really quick, the Indianapolis Colts stole our draft, um, at least <laughs> stole the draft I thought we were going to have. Uh, they picked in the second round Michael Pittman out of USC, and they went back around and got Jonathan Taylor running back from Wisconsin. So pretty much like what I wanted at the 49th pick, uh, Colts got them both before we even came up. Um, when the Steelers came up with the 49th overall pick, obviously skipped on Hurst and got this kid, Chase Claypool, from Notre Dame. At first, he wasn't on my radar at all. Um, I thought they were going to go um, with a different wide receiver or possibly J.K. Dobbins, the running back from Ohio State. Claypool, though, been watching some stuff on him. Exciting um, for the Steelers. He's a big-bodied wide receiver. He's like 6'3", 6'4", maybe like 230, 240. Um, I wouldn't say Megatron type, but he brings that Steel City mentality, man. there's some. Uh, he's a big body. And they had that going, you know, back in the day, you know, back in the day, but like they had a bigger receiver with Martavis Bryant and a larger target in the end zone, which they haven't had of late. Little speedsters, Eli Rogers, um, Ryan Switzer, uh, right now, um, Johnson on their team. So they had some smaller guys. Um, he brings a tenacity. A lot of his blocks remind me of Heinz Ward just barreling over guys for during runs. Um, so it seems like a physical ball player. Um, 
to talk more about the AFC North. I'm really concerned about the Ravens draft. It might just be me being worried, but I'm kind of I'm kind of concerned about the Ravens draft. They go out and get J.K. Dobbins, who was one of the you know on at least the the mock drafts Steeler board, um, running back from Ohio State to be in the backfield behind Lamar Jackson and Ingram. Uh, is Ingram I know still that there? They, Ingram is still there, so now they have potentially four running backs that will play. And their first round pick, I think, is the scariest. I thought he was someone that could possibly get drafted by the Eagles. Patrick Queen out of LSU. Yes, I want to go uh, back to that. The linebacker. He's yep. a stud. Yes, I would be concerned about the Ravens, too, if I was a Steelers fan, for sure. Terrified. Terrified. Yeah. It just got like went bad news to worse as, as their draft went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more bad news about the Ravens, too. During the draft, I don't remember which lineman it was, but he tweeted at who was the new quarterback that got drafted into that division. Oh, Calais Campbell. Campbell. Yep, yep, dude. He tweets at him. Can't wait to meet you. Oh, he t- tweeted at Joe Burrow. Can't wait to meet yeah. you in person for the first time, or you know, something like that, dude. If I was Joe Burrow, whew, I hate to yeah. be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, and the I Ravens, think the Ravens got another defensive end. Also, they got a linebacker from Ohio State, Malik Harrison, uh, and and another wide receiver, Devin Duvernay from Texas. Which it seemed I saw a video of uh, Harbaugh and their GM talking back and forth. They seem excited about that pick too. So. Uh, huge year scary. for OSU. Huge year for OSU. Massive year for OSU. Yeah. So interesting. You guys just mentioned OSU. My sleeper pick in the entire draft from OSU. He was a huge part of their offense. KJ Hill. Mm-hmm. He went seventh round. It took for him to get yes. drafted, and he came out and said he felt so disrespected because of a slow forty time. That's why he got drafted so late. Because he's a stud, you can see it on film. He was drafted by the Chargers, and he yes, was the Chargers, the second receiver drafted by the Chargers. He was yep. even after they drafted someone else. So it, a lot of teams didn't believe in him, I guess. So I, this kid has some fire under him. I'm I'm excited to see kids like that. Love that. even even that the Chargers had some pretty uh, a pretty funny meme response to drafting KJ Hill because they think he's a great pick. Uh, you know the meme where the guys like I think I'm about to steal. I think I'm about to steal. You know yes. It's yes. like when you see KJ Hill on the board in the seventh round, he's like, I think I'm about to steal. <laughs> Grab them. It's, and it's yeah, these, a lot these, of that happened to a lot of people. These 40 times are interesting. You know, we saw the Rieger pick come right up and they show his stats immediately. Right. And Rieger didn't have one of the best 40 times in the, in the combine. He wasn't one of the hottest, fastest receivers on the board. Um, even though, I mean, it was still four, five, one, or I forget exactly. It's <laughs> his 40. It was still ridiculous, but you look at their game tape. And what they're showing is Rieger is one of the fastest guys in game speed. And yeah, it's kind of a difference, right? In straight line yeah. runner to, to being able to cut and, and, and still move. So maybe that's something that the Eagles saw. Um, and that, you know, a reason that Hill dropped, but the Chargers still ended up taking him is, is they, these guys have game speed and it's, and it's different than just lining up and, and bolting. Deeves, who was the guy in our chat who sent the article about Rieger having like a hundredth of a second difference in Tyreek Hill? When he's sprinting down the when field. He's in, yes, he, he runs like 20. Uh, he was clocked at like 23 miles an hour or something stupid yeah. on, on the field. Yeah. Um, is his fastest on the field. And that was just off Tyreek Hill's fastest last year. So he has the game speed. The 40 time really doesn't matter. And, and people were upset initially in the Eagles camp about his 40 time. It goes to show it doesn't really matter. The guy was a kick return specialist too in college. Jimmy and I were watching some of his highlight clips. So I don't know if he's going to be the replacement for Sproles. I know we're jumping around a tad. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's another reason probably may possibly to pick him is that he, you know, can return kicks and punts for you for a long time. Eagles are famous for putting fresh guys behind the, uh, punts too. They put all their, like a couple of their rookie draft picks that they got last year, the year prior when Sproles went out, those guys went in. Uh, one of the guys, Carter, I can't remember his first name, but Carter was a receiver for them, I believe two years ago and filled in for Sproles when he, uh, when he had an injury. So dude, they vary. I see it. Very underrated area. I mean, they're all very important, but but being able, like punt returns are pretty damn underrated. This past season with the Steelers, man, they went out and signed Ryan Switzer a couple years ago from Dallas. Switzer was supposed to be our punt return specialist after you know Antonio Brown was our guy for a really long time. Switzer was a fair catch machine last year, a fair catch machine, and it doesn't give you any movement at all. Even those five, seven, ten yards, they're huge. So if Rieger can do that for the birds too. I'm sure they're trying to get him on the field as much as possible. That's big. <laughs> That's huge. Lasting thought about the Steelers pick, Chase Claypool. I saw an awesome statistic. Steelers receiver, or sorry, the college leader last year in catches over 20 yards. 
So 20 yards or more, Chase Claypool with 16 receptions. I don't think that was done by accident with Ben Roethlisberger returning next year and us being notorious for the deep ball for that 20-plus yard pass, even though we do a lot of short stuff um, with screens and kind of get unique with running backs out of the backfield. I think that wasn't done by accident at all um, and timing perfectly for a healthy Big Ben to return and a guy that can catch a ball downfield. I agree, and a lot of the short game is set up to produce the long ball. And getting a huge receiver like that is going to help Juju out a lot because Juju needs help, and it was showed last a year. Ton. A ton. So, boys, with all the draft talk, one more thing I would just want to chime in about was our Instagram Live that we did. It was uh, Hammonds and Timmy Duke, man. You guys were doctors. Doctors <laughs> breaking down picks, giving diagnosi, I, diagnosis. I don't even know what it is, bro. Good stuff, man. I mean, granted, you might have had 90% of your picks wrong, but – it was still an, an educational, informational, phenomenal breakdown. We can't thank you guys enough for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's something that him and I were just really into when it comes to different people coming out with mock drafts. But again, it's, it's just so hard to predict where some of these guys are going to go. And all it takes is for some of those picks to be different in the first round and the rest of the draft gets changed, you know, and yeah. you don't really know. Like a team like the Packers, for example, they trade up for a quarterback. And then they come back second round and get a running back, two positions that they don't need. And you don't really know where GM's heads are. It's it's neat, though. It's it's cool to do homework and research into all these and mm-hmm. see these kids grow into the league. It's it's awesome. And on the flip side, it'd be pretty cool to see what these guys' boards actually look like. We were talking about the Steelers, a couple of their picks getting taken prior from the Indianapolis Colts, right? Was Pittman the number one guy on their board? Was Jonathan Taylor the number one guy on their board? How close were the birds to getting a pick? So, uh, you know, trading up to get uh, C.D. Lamb, possibly. Um mm-hmm. So I think we're all close with a lot of our, you know, a lot of your takes. It's just, like you said, one, all it takes is one pick and the whole entire thing gets thrown off. Yeah. And just uh, just one little, one more tidbit. The reason why I'm so into this is because I'm in a dynasty fantasy league. So when the drafts come around each year, uh, we, we draft the rookies that come in. So obviously we can trade future draft picks. We sign guys to current contracts, how long we want them for. So detailed. But – Obviously, when the draft comes up, you want to know about these kids because you want to sign them to X number of years if they're going to be the next superstar, things like that. It's kind of cool to kind of plug them into different positions, have them on your squad and see how good they're going to be. You want to give us a little tidbit as to who you got your eyes on or is that confidential at the moment? Um, at, at the moment, it's 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 classified. But my first year, <laughs> it's for my first year, I drafted Des Bryant. And unfortunately, I signed him to a huge contract. And the following year, he was cut and he was stuck on my roster. He was cut and not playing football. So these are kind of things that you have to wow. you have to deal with. I, I signed Antonio Callaway. He gets booted off the Browns playing in the XFL and he's signed on my roster. And he's just Did you get points for that? You get points for XFL? I wish. <laughs> I wish. Half points. Yeah, half points. Yeah, and, and just things like that when you – I had Nelson Aguilar, just always. Oh, so I'm kind of in a rebuilding stage right now. It's hard. It's, it's like Madden. Like it. It's real Sounds life like Madden it. you want to play, you know? You yeah, want these guys cool. to develop. Yeah, it's it's great. Well, I hope you were, you were really studying this mock, this, uh, this mock draft. I did my homework, boys. <laughs> did my homework. You're, so the guy, have, you're the guy after this draft to go on the 2021 mock drafts already, right? You're, have you already looked yeah, at the 2021? Yeah, I was, I've been in there a little bit. That's in your recent history? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Ham, you want to give us a little tidbit on uh, next up? What do you got next? Yeah, so uh, a buddy of mine that I currently talk to, I've been in contact with for a while, he has his own clothing brand. It's called Onwards, and he just loves to spread positive vibes and boosting people's creativity. And him and I kind of agree, along with a lot of us, uh, we we watch Gary Vee, we, we listen to his insight just about kind of building your own pathway, not letting people kind of detour you on, on your own path and just kind of not really caring about people's opinions when you want to do your own thing and be creative. So we just kind of connect in that sense. And uh, he goes in depth about meditation and psychedelics a little bit, which are things that I'm not that versed in, but I feel a lot of people are trying to dabble in a little bit, trying to learn a little bit more. So he's pretty well versed in that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. Sounds like a, a cool mix. Um, I copped a sweatshirt last night off his site. Did you? I, I love his logo. That, that rainbow bike and then it says onwards, dude. It's just, I love the vibe that I get from it for sure. Yeah, just moving. He says just hopping back on your bike and 
keep pedaling, you know, just keep it moving. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Don't want to take too much of your time up. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking to you immediately after we're done recording this, but uh, <laughs> keep, uh, keep cutting your podcast. Thanks for coming. Sure thing. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. All right, brother. Thank you. Okay. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> love you. So, Deves, in other good news, that was awesome talk with Hammonds there, man. Gave us an awesome breakdown. This guy Always. does his homework, dude. Does his homework. And, I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. But one thing, dude, it's been, it's been pressing me since we started this episode was what happened yesterday. The Navy Blue Angels and the Air Force Thunderbirds whizzing over my head in, in Collingswood, New Jersey. Really cool, man. Uh, definitely missing out on that one being here in the southeast right now. But, yeah, the uh... – Blue Angels, the Navy Blue Angels, and the Air Force Thunderbirds flew over the Northeast yesterday. Hopefully, most of you got the got the chance to see them. They did a flight path over New York City, and then made their way down to Philly and South Jersey area, and then to DC. Correct? I don't know about DC, but I know they are on a tour. They went pretty south. Yeah, 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 something. I know they're doing a tour, so they might be coming down to over by. Dude, you're right by an Air Force base. Yes. They yes. could be Mc coming McDill in. McDill Air Force Base is. They could. They could. Right. I'll be on the and, lookout. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, they're a nationwide organization. They're a government funded organization. They're going to go all over the states, man. Nothing gives me chills more than watching those videos yesterday. Uh, and then, you know, the videos that our team shared with each other and then just around the country flying over hospitals in New York City. They did a flyover of all the stadiums in Philly. Um, putting you know people put music to the background of them that that new one by blake shelton god's country like yeah, ooh, just like gives me chills dude hard guitar like hard guitar just like yeah. terrifying and we talk about it all the time man how terrifying like yeah. you have no idea they're coming and yeah. then they're there they traveled yeah. from new york city to philadelphia in 15 minutes yeah yep d so i just want to talk about how i felt when i saw them so i'm in i'm in the parking lot right and we pull up and there are trucks suvs people hanging out the side with their beach chairs drinking like it was an event like people are dying to be at something right now and they're all spread out way way far from each other in the parking lot so danielle and i get our parking spot we open all the windows so we could hear if they're coming from a distance and all these people all you hear is there they are there they are like you hear them shouting couldn't see them and then it's just when they come flying past dude and then unfortunately where we were we didn't get to see when when they were pushing the smoke out of the tail end yeah so dude they were they were hard to see man they were just like in formation of fives just cruising tight, right over top tight formation tight. too yeah some of the some of the formations and like not stunts but just maneuvers they were doing i saw the one uh i don't know what part of the country they were over, or the region they were over at that point but it was, I think it was the Thunderbirds or the or the Blue Angels going slow. Again, tight in formation. And maybe, I don't know, hundreds of feet above the other formation, whatever other flight group went right above them, double the speed. Like, it's just mind-boggling, the the, yeah. the skill. And um, I think it was a perfect representation of, you know, just the, the, the strength of our country. I think that's really what it was, right? It's like our country working together, seeing that. I don't know, I'm kind of feeling words right now. No, dude, I'm totally with you. It's our country you know realizing it's, we can all come together, man. It, right. Like it, it, correct. It's bigger than us. It's bigger it's than bigger us. Bigger than us. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm getting chills yeah. talking about it now. Dude. Awesome, awesome sight yeah. yesterday. Yeah. So, Dees, in that interview with Hammonds, we discussed Ohio State, and what comes to my mind is today we just found out that it's the board for the NCAA pushed it forward to have athletes paid. So the first thing that came to mind when I was thinking about the drafts in Ohio State was I wonder all these Nike deals and, and big-time deals are probably going to go straight to Ohio State and start guessing on which players are going to be the best ones coming up. Yeah, so the players won't be per se getting paid by you know the, their institutions, but they're now able to um, accept endorsements for their likeness, and which was a big reason that the NCAA video games kind of went away. It was a big reason that, um, you know, Guys were getting fined or teams were getting fined for, for shoe deals or signing players. Um, one of the reasons I think they may have started or pushed for this to get passed, uh, you've been seeing recently a lot of guys that were looking to join the NCAA ranks, you know, commit to a school, have actually signed with the G League. 
um, NBA guys, you know, basketball guys signed with the G League to make money. And then they knew they were going to get drafted anyway, or they could, you know, work their way onto a team anyway, instead of going to college and being a one and done. Uh, it happened a couple times. I don't have the guy's names right in front of me, but it happened a couple times. You saw with, you know, the balls going and playing overseas. Um, and they might have been scared that it was going to become more of a thing. Um, the biggest news out of this, out of the entire thing, I think, is that we might be on our track again to see NCAA video games. Um, we might be able, you know, because now the guys can get paid for their likeness. I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but, um, you know, we may see, you know, guys on the cover again able to catch, cash in for being an EA Sports athlete. Yeah, I was never a big NCAA video game player. Oh. I never I oh. never got into it, man. Oh. I never... Oh, the best, dude. Really? All the fight songs, all the logos, the yeah. college stadiums, dude. It's a totally different presentation than, than Madden. Like, I'd probably buy that over Madden, especially wow. now that it's been gone for so long. Like, oh, NCAA 07, um, they, were, they, were, they were amazing. Yeah, the only NCAA game I played was the first version of a, a lacrosse game, a video lacrosse game. And it of was course. tough. It was tough, man. It was a bit difficult game, but yeah, the fight songs that I can imagine were probably sick. Oh, so good. All in all, uh, on this, you know, on this topic here, about time really is my opinion. It's about time. I really always thought the players should get paid for their likeness. I mean, it's their, it's their, you know, body and skill out there every single night, um, putting their stuff on the line anyway. Um, a lot of them weren't living in great situations, kind of on meal plans, ensuing debt, say they don't make it um, to the league. Um, they're kind of, you know, I guess they have an educate. I, I don't know. I, I think it was, it was about time for the NCAA to, to, to pony up and let these guys get paid off of themselves. That's basically it. I mean, there's no, you know, you're permit, permitting more foul play and more guys trying to make shady deals when you don't have things like this. The guy need, wants a Nike, shield, Nike shoe and he's one of the best ones out there. Let Nike pay him to, to wear their shoe. I don't know. Agreed. If you, want, if he wants to be the spokesperson for Bob's Pizza Joint or Paul's car dealership, like, go right ahead. Right. There's no reason that he shouldn't be able to. You and I could yeah. in college. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make any sense. Not at all. About time. Regarding big money deals and people doing big things, man, and we discussed golf earlier on in the pod, we got a Brady, Phil versus Tiger and Manning in May. Literally, in next week starts May. What's the date, Dave? Give me, give me some details here. Yeah, so they're calling it the match. Champions for charity, and it's going to be Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning pitted up against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, and they're benefiting coronavirus relief. Details for the date are kind of getting tossed around. Uh, there was one talk of it being in mid-May, um, seeing reports about June. I don't think they have it locked down yet, especially with the PGA Tour schedule kind of forever changing with, you know, as requirements and kind of the coronavirus trends are. Um, so date isn't nailed down, but they're they're looking to do it. And I mean, there was a pretty good uh, response for the first match. I mean, it wasn't maybe as exciting as we thought it was going to be. We talked about that on a very, very early episode of the podcast. Um, but this one with two NFL greats, Peyton and Brady, pretty damn cool. Deez, we have the Sheriff and the Golf Goat versus Lefty and the Football Goat. And personally, the way I see this matchup going is I picture Manning and Tiger's group to be calm, cool, collected the whole time. And I picture Brady and Phil's group to be the talkers the whole time. It's just that's that's how I picture yeah. it. And you know what? I'm not going to um, obviously you saw, you know, Phil won the last match and a lot of people pulled, pulled for Tiger. I, I with Peyton and now now the conversation goes to Peyton and Brady, right? Mm-hmm. The, the golf one's kind of up in the air. Both those guys could really take it in any given day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to side with even though I'm a, a Tampa Brady guy, even though I'm a Tampa Bay guy, I'm going to side with Tiger and and Peyton on this one. Yeah. I think you have to. Yeah. Peyton's been ret- Peyton's been retired for three years. Mm-hmm. All the guy's been doing is playing golf. Yeah. And now he's paired up with Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's it's a matchup that is must see television. I dude, I was unable to watch the first match. I had to get Twitter updates. I was out at work and I wasn't unable to watch. I watched by myself. I remember I watched by myself just draw drop the entire time. It was it was great. I mean, it, you know, it could have been better. It, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think back. Phil kind of had the lead the whole time. Like, he didn't really give up the lead. And this one, too, with more people, I think the other one didn't, you know, with more guys involved, it being a foursome instead of a twosome, it'll get a little more chippier, a little bit more involved. The guy that's not on the ball at the moment will be able to talk to the other guys and kind of give them a little back and forth. Also, they might be throwing around a ton of dough for charity at this point around. I think the last time a bet didn't come through, a side bet between the two didn't come through until, like, the seventh or, like, 
tenth hole. This one though, with amateur golfers being involved with the pro golfers, I think the pro golfers couldn't get out of the mindset of like I'm here to make money and win this thing. Instead right. of like, yo, it's it's an entertainment piece for TV. Let's go out and banter and have a BS golf round like you and I yeah. do. Yeah. Where Brady and Peyton, they live in that. That's that's their right. golf all the time. Also, yeah. they're hustlers, and they might be throwing some dough around. So I think this yeah. one might be a little more shootout, a little more chirpy, um, and that's what makes it good for television. That's what we need to keep fueling the fire for, um, for this one to be successful. No matter what, I'm going to watch it. No matter what, you're going to watch uh, it. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be, especially in a time like this, this is perfect. And lastly, Bush, um, we talked about it briefly, the Jordan documentary keeps exciting us every every single sunday night the episodes fly by so fast it's it's two hour long episodes and it feels like the entire thing is like 30 minutes yeah. it feels like the entire thing is 30 minutes you're kind of glued to it um especially when the group chat is absolutely going off and i don't i want to hold this for probably at the end of the jordan documentary let's watch the entire thing but let's just say in the ranks of free parking there is a very pitted debate um i, I don't want to say it's split 50 50 it might be 70 30 but it's 70 percent jordan guys and 30 percent lebron guys and it gets hot every single Sunday night. If you listen to the Free Parking Podcast, I'm sure you could probably decipher at least some of the 30% as to who the LeBron guys are. We're not going to reveal that right now, but we will have the debate of a century on the Free Parking Podcast in the coming weeks. Let's just say that I am pitting my argument. I am keying up every little piece of evidence I see on Twitter to have this and just unleash myself mm-hmm. on somebody when this thing's over. Because... yep. I think it's laughable. I think it's laughable sometimes what I see on Sunday night that people think one way or the other. Um, yeah. I'm open to argument. I'm open to an argument. And I think Always. they're both the greatest players of all time. I'm open to hearing somebody else's opinions, but I feel like my opinions aren't being listened to on the right. other side of the argument. And all I need somebody to listen, take a look at the facts, the, look at the news on Twitter, right? It's, it's, it's we started on my real news from. Yeah, use it, of course. Yeah, that's <laughs> the only it's real news. We started a document. Not saying about who, but you and I started a notes document, a shared evidence document. Yes, for our persuasive argument, we yes. have a tweet. We have a Twitter DM thread with different videos and breakdown of both of the players pitting mm-hmm. one argument against the other. Let's just say Bush and I are on the same side, and we're going to win this thing. <laughs> yeah, this is they're going down, man. They're going down. We did a court case back a, a couple months ago, earlier on in the year, uh, regarding one of Brandon Hammond's episodes on Next Up. And it was a resounding W for the boys. So let's just say Deaver and I are, are in good shape here. My client. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. So I just want to shout out Office Jockeys. Got the uh, Miami Vice Fire. tank top. Yeah. It's Fire pretty piece. dope. Pretty sweet. Shout out uh, Clarky and Connor Jones for helping us out over at Office Jockeys. And, uh, and I think that's a wrap for Ep 35, man. What an episode. I had a great time today. Yeah, I was having a lot of fun. I had a maintenance call during during the middle of it. I didn't know if we were going to get the mojo back. But uh, shout out uh, Fab Five. We got the Fab Five uh, cutoff going on. If you haven't seen that thirty for thirty yet, you have nothing else to do. So you might as well go watch uh, Fab Five documentary. Other than that, ma'am, keep on keeping on. Absolutely, I'll be texting you at, uh, as soon as we stop recording here. Talk to you in twenty five seconds. All right, later, bro. Later. And I do indeed feel like Michael. Pump fake. Jump, I never pump brakes, cousin, I be pump fake Dunkin' hot bump subs, dumping in the trunk How I'm coming, you can't tell me nothing Drumming Michael Jordan, got the rock and the percussion Pump fake, jump, I never pump brakes, cousin, I be pump fake Dunkin' hot bump subs, dumping in the trunk How I'm coming, you can't tell me nothing Drumming Michael Jordan, got the rock and the percussion Venom inside of the pen and get written so rappers be in a predicament Veteran settlement, y'all be the children and I'll be the senior citizen Rappers got ADHD and the way that they looking at me, they ain't taking a riddle And I got the bell like a pop of the way, I be whooping these fools like they needed some discipline